Welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Today I have Nick Segelski, account executive at SurePoint, coming to us from Southern California, Los Angeles, Pasadena. Nick, how are you doing? I am doing great, Paul. I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Yeah, listen, I'm happy to have you on. Take a quick second, say hi to everybody, and a quick intro. Hey, what's going on, everybody? As Paul said, my name is Nick Segelski. I am based in beautiful Southern California, which is not where I've lived my whole life, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be talking with you, Paul, and uh, let's jump right into things, man. Okay, great. Well, listen, let's get into it. I'm, I'm excited for you to share your story. I do want to start with uh, current climate in the world right now. We're middle of March, and we're all managing an unexpected you know, pivot. Um, how are you and people in your life and your team uh, doing with uh, the pandemic that we're managing right now? How's everything going? You, you Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a variety of reactions that people have when something like this goes on. And I have to keep reminding myself that there are only two things on this planet that I can control, and that is my effort and that is my attitude. And so I am quite literally shrinking my focus to um, only what's within my circle of control. And there's recommendations that are being made by uh, health officials and governments and mm-hmm. family and friends and employers. And so I'm following those to the best of my abilities, but I'm seeing people either um, take advantage of the situation. And what I mean by that is um, find a way to win despite the circumstances or find a way to lose with the circumstances and, and let them be an excuse. So, so for me, like I'm doing an okay job, not always perfect. Like I woke up this morning and I needed an extra shot of coffee to kind of get my head in the right spot. But um, I'm trying to put my focus and my energy into creating positive momentum. And when we get through this thing, whether that's in three months and six months and nine months, I'm hoping Uh, that that positive momentum is going to carry and I'm going to be in a better place than I was before all this started. I'm doing all right. Good. Well, I dig the outlook. Uh, Keep at it. We'll all get through this together. And so, Nick, if you're ready, um, let's get into your story. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to rock. Here we go. Okay. So uh, you're from Rochester. Uh, Let's go back to USC. You're a Trojan. You graduate public relations. Um, When did you graduate? And what was your vision uh, when you came out of college? Cool. So I'm going to actually take even a half step before USC because it plays into the whole uh, sort of vision and intention of it. So like you said, and you and I share this pers- um, this experience a bit, Paul, where we both have spent some time in Rochester, New York, you with your experience with Xerox, me growing up there. Um, for those who haven't been, it is about as far away from New York City as you can possibly be while still being in the state of New York. Not everybody understands that. Um, I've only been to New York City twice in my entire life, and that that usually helps give people some perspective. Um, it's like an eight-hour drive away yeah. from New York City. So um, as I'm getting ready to graduate high school, uh, I was a wrestler all through high school. I was pretty high level. I got recruited by a number of different schools, um, but one of the last schools that I toured was the University of Southern California, and I went out maybe two weeks after the end of wrestling season, and... For those who have been in Rochester in 
mid to late March um, <laughs> and compared it to the climate in Southern California, there was probably a 50 degree temperature difference. And here I am with like clear skies, huge city, right. a ton of opportunity, a ton of excitement and palm trees. And I was sold and it didn't hurt that I got a, a full tuition academic scholarship to go to, to USC. So I was kind of sold on that. Um, at the time, I was really, really into the idea of getting into something like broadcast journalism or, or being uh, in public relations. And so I got into USC's Annenberg School um, to study public relations, which I loved. And it actually has really, really helped me with what I'm doing today. Um, I obviously didn't end up going that route, but I got into USC's PR school. Uh, I came out to Southern California. I had a really, really great experience at USC. I actually ended up starting uh, the club wrestling team at USC that uh, eventually uh, competed with Division One programs. I wrestled against NCAA Division One wrestlers while I was at USC, um, and that was a really, really cool experience. And we could probably have a three-hour podcast just talking all about that journey. But I love it. Um, for the purposes of this, I, I did get to wrestle in college. I did get to compete at a pretty high level in college wrestling, but. Um, about halfway through my time at USC, I realized, okay, I love PR. I love the persuasive writing and persuasive communication side of it. Um, but I wanted to be the person who is at the center of the action, not necessarily the person who was um, publicly relating about the action that other people were doing. So um, I ended up taking on a minor in entrepreneurship while I was at USC. And during that time, one of my college wrestling teammates, actually my training partner, came up to me and he said, hey, I've got an idea for a business, and would you like to co-found it with me? And so I kind of looked at him. We talked about it a little bit. We looked at some of the numbers, and um, we said, all right, let's do this. So what we started was something called SUP Now, which um, if you've ever been to the airport, Paul, and seen those um, Best Buy vending machines that sell things like headphones and um, all you know, the time. iPod chargers – Okay, so that's what we created, but for nutrition supplements. So we kind of called ourselves like uh, a GNC in a red box machine. And so we ended up signing a deal with LA Fitness, and we had the rights to put these vending machines in any of the LA Fitnesses that didn't already have a shake bar. And so we had these vending machines that sold full size tubs of protein, vitamins, pre workout, uh, and we got four or five of them across Southern California. And um, then we ended up getting to the point of graduation, and my partner was a year ahead of me. Uh, he was he was working a job in management consulting and doing this as a side hustle, and I was doing a lot of the other work. And we had no idea what we were doing, right? <laughs> like we were completely new to this thing. We made every mistake in the book, including taking a business that each machine was cash flow positive. Um, and we, we had the rights to put them in a ton of gyms, and we had a lot of opportunity in front of us, but we were greedy, and we didn't want to fundraise anything beyond our initial seed round because we didn't want to give away more equity. And so instead of taking on some money and getting 500 machines out there, mm -hmm. we thought, oh, we're going to bootstrap this thing. The problem is the model doesn't work unless it's at scale. And so we're sitting here maybe spinning off, I don't know, 1000 bucks a month in cash flow, which was great. But it's not enough for two guys to live off of in Southern California. Right. So, um, or even in Rochester. Leaving by that. The way. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe in Rochester you could, uh, I don't know, sleep in your car or something. And, you know. But uh, yeah, so we ended up we ended up moving on from that, and um, 
I can tell you a little bit more about my journey, but I'll pause because I just talked at you for 10 minutes and you might have questions. No. So what, what I'm curious about is, um, so you did this during your USC years and you graduated. Uh, did you stay in LA after you graduated or did you move back to Rochester? No, I didn't. So, okay. So we're at the time of graduation, right? We leave the, we leave the vending business and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And part of that vending business had sort of a component of, of area management around it. Um, meaning I was managing vending machines at five, six different locations and I'm developing relationships with the, uh, the manager of that, of that gym, um, et cetera. And so I ended up taking a job with Aldi, which is a German grocery store, um, as a district manager. And what that entailed was I was responsible for four different Aldi supermarket stores, which they're not as big as like your big Kroger's or Ralph's or something. Um, It's more like managing four or five different CVS's or Walgreens. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I took that job and... It ended up being a really, really strange coincidence, but they moved me to Buffalo, New York, which is only about an hour from where I grew up. So this wasn't intentional. I knew I knew that I was going to have to leave Southern California because they didn't have any stores here at the time, but they ended up sending me to, to Buffalo, New York, and then they said, hey, we're going to have you be here for a year, and in a year, we're going to send you to Miami and handle some of the stores down there. And I thought, okay. I love SoCal. I think I'll like Miami. Mm-hmm. I can do a detour in, in, in Buffalo, close to home, first year, you know, uh, save some money. Um, but I ended up moving out there, and Aldi is a great company, and I have nothing but good things to say about my experience there. Um, I really quickly learned that I needed something that was more challenging from a um, an intellectual perspective. A lot of my job, I had probably – 70 employees that were were underneath me and so a lot of my job and these were folks who were really really hard working really great people um but a lot of the conversations i were having i was having was with people who were stocking shelves and cashing people out and the conversations weren't high level business conversations they were conversations about hey you were 15 minutes late to work today please don't do that again or you know you can't have your phone out when you're on the floor um, and so I loved the opportunity to develop relationships with people who were really, really hardworking, but I knew like there was something better out there. And then I got the news from Aldi that, hey, we're actually going to send you to um, the western side of Florida, the Gulf Coast, uh, right outside of Fort Myers instead of Miami. And that is a beautiful part of the country, but I don't think it's where you want to be when you're 23 years old. Right. Uh, and so, so we'll bring this back to the intention side of things. I thought, all right, well, what do I do next? Cause I'm not going to do that. And where do I go? And uh, my girlfriend moved with me to Buffalo at the time. And she said, let's go back to LA. And I got on the phone with my business partner from the vending company. And he said, man, you were so good when we were sitting down at the negotiation table with, uh, with vendors and with gyms, like you're really good at the biz dev side of things. Why don't you try to get into sales? And why don't you try to get into tech sales? There's a lot of money there. That's what your so, partner said to you. That's what he said to me. And he wasn't doing that at the time. He was working in corporate strategy in the, in the SF, uh, in the San Francisco Bay area. Okay. But he was like, man, you got to do this. And it's kind of funny because I'll tell you later, I ended up convincing him to get into to SaaS sales. And now he's doing that. He runs an entire SDR organization for a company in San Francisco. And he is, I mean, he's killing it, man. But um, yeah, he convinced me to do it. I started hammering out job applications. I found a company that took a chance on me and 
I made the move back to Southern California. Did you move to Southern California with a job or did you get there again, no job, and then you had to source employment? No, I I had the job lined up before I came out here. And so um, I used on my resume, like my buddy's address that I knew I'd crash on his couch as soon as I moved out before I found an apartment. I had the USC um, name on my resume. And so most people were understanding in the interviews that like, okay, I left, but I was ready to come back. So I, I personally, unless you're in a really, really bad situation, I don't think it's a good idea to leave a job without having something lined up. I think it's a better story. Sure. Um, you know, you see, if you keep doing the work, don't get me wrong. Like I did the work every day for Aldi and it's hard when you're doing a full-time job and trying to find a, a, a good job. But, um, that's my perspective. And so how long ago was this? When did, when did you move back to LA? This must have been 2017, I want to say. Okay, so just about three years ago now, give or take. Yep. And yep. and so uh, what have you been up to since you moved back to uh, Los Angeles? So I haven't left the SaaS sales space. I got my first job out here. Uh, that was 2017, the first thing I found. And that was a good company. It was actually started by a USC alumni. Um, and I was kind of like an entry-level salesperson, like an SDR, so pretty much exclusively cold calling, setting a meeting, and then handing off everything from there to the guys that were above me. And that's a hard job. I have a lot of respect for the folks that do it. Uh, And I hammered that phone. Um, And one of the things that I I tried to do when I was there was I knew I didn't want to be an SDR forever. And I I knew it was probably like a step below where I was from a a business acumen perspective. But Mm. again, when you're working in retail management, which is kind of what I was doing with Aldi, it's tough to get a good AE job at a software company and getting to get someone to take a chance on you, especially when you're only a couple a year out of college. Um, and so I knew where I was from like a professional development perspective, and I knew I'd probably need to take something a step or a half step beneath that, crush it, and then get into something new. So um, I showed up at that job. I did a good job there. I you're going to like this one. So I lived about 12 miles from where the office was. And anyone who's been in Southern California can tell you 12 miles can take you 20 minutes or or three days, an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, And so I was one of the the three day commuters and I was like, man, I'm I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to deal with that. That is soul crushing traffic. And so I bought an electric electric assist bicycle it's it's still a bicycle but it's got a battery on it okay and so it helps you pedal so you can get up to probably 20 25 miles an hour on that thing that's a pretty and good clip. i rode that bike it's yeah i mean yeah. It, it, it's it's enough that the the commute because i would do 12 miles each way was still like it was kind of like going for a brisk walk or a really slow jog it wasn't like actually biking that much because mm. i still wanted energy to be able to lift weights and um, you know, if I wasn't feeling well, I still needed to get to work, but right. I didn't have a car. Uh, my girlfriend and I shared a car, but she had to take it every day to work. So I gave her the car and I rode on the bike every single day and I had got a big speaker. I actually even have it with me. Uh, I put the speaker on the bike and I listened to a sales podcast every single day going in or going back. And I got really, really good, really, really fast because <laughs> Literally every day I'm getting an hour of, of like sales training while sure. I'm getting my workout. And I was in such a good mood because instead of getting out of work at, uh, you know, six o'clock and getting in the car and like just sitting there, I'm on the bike 
pedaling away, sun's out, working on my tan, and I'm listening to um, – I had a rotation of like five or six different sales podcasts. And so I got really, really good kind of even beyond where I should have been. And so about a year later, a little bit less than a year later, uh, I started interviewing again because I said, okay, there isn't a ton of mobility opportunity here at this company and I'm ready for an enterprise AE job. Like I knew I could do it after all that I'd learned from these podcasts. Um, and so I kind of just talked and, and I don't want to say faked it because, because I really was that good, but I'd never really been proven in the role. And so I, I, like people are asking me about sales strategy or discovery strategy or what's your prospecting approach. And I'm thinking back to the stuff that I learned from these podcasts and did my best to implement as an SDR and it went really, really well. And I got a company to take a chance on me and um, they took a gamble hiring me, but I came in, man. And on day one, I was like, let's go. Uh, and I did a really, really good job there. And so, um, you know, I, I actually learned this. There's this guy, Grant Cardone, that everybody knows, and he, they kind of make fun of him. He's kind of like a caricature of himself. Uh, and he said some really bizarre things. But one thing I did pick up from him that I really, really like is he says, learning is one of the best ways to get your get yourself excited about doing your job. Because here's what happens. If you're an SDR, right, and you're making 120 cold calls a day, and it's just brutal, and it's a grind, and you're doing the same thing for every single call, your brain's going to get burnt out. But if you go listen to a podcast or read a book, and you learn a new strategy or like a new opener, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I kind of want to go give this thing a shot. I want to go try this. And so from my perspective, if you can keep learning and finding new strategies and new things to try, it actually makes the job a lot more fun because you can start to A-B test. You can start to continue to refine, um, and it makes the work fun in my mind. Well, Cardone is a guy that is very well respected, I think, in most circles. He's proven, and he's a guy that walks the walk, and so I'm glad that you you got some uh, some really good insights uh, you know, from his stuff because he's, um, he's a very well-established individual, lots of companies, and... Uh, and so forth. So here's a question for you. Yep. Nick, Nick, you're in your mid-20s, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm 46. Uh, what do you say to a guy like me, and this isn't me, but if a guy like me has the mindset that your generation doesn't get it, that you're, you're, you're lazy, you're looking for the easy way out, and I don't get that from you at all, and yet there's the perception that you're generation and maybe even the generation behind you and maybe a little bit in front of you are just looking to take the easy way through things. You're not willing to put the hours in. And and it, I think it's a misperception in a lot of circles. And I'm getting that from you. So what would be your response if you're if you're talking to someone and say, oh, you're 26 years old, what do you know? And uh, you're, you're probably just looking for the, the, the base salary and, uh, you know, to glide through. What would be your response? I'm curious about that. Well, that's a really interesting perspective, and I think it goes both ways because I think there's a lot of people that are my age that thinks, think that the folks that are your age are, like, old and right. crotchety and, like, you know, just sitting there complaining, and oh, these kids, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to go into the office. And um, my, so my mom actually consults for companies, and this is all she does is helps them prepare for hiring the next generation. And so I've learned some really fascinating stuff. And there are differences in, in our in our generations. I think a lot of people my age have grown up completely married, tethered to technology. Yeah. And that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. 
um, I have a note card in my office that says um, tips for a, a better life is what I wrote. And one of the first things I wrote is pick up the phone and have a conversation. And what I mean by this is I think a lot of people my age are afraid to pick up the phone and not even cold call someone, not even call a customer. It's I have a demo tomorrow with one of my solutions consultants, and I need to make sure that person is prepared. And yeah, I'm going to put together a quick email with some notes, but I used to not want to pick up the phone mm. and prep that person. I thought the email would be good enough. And that doesn't always work. And so what I would say is that it, it goes both ways. I think the younger generation, you've got to respect the folks that have come before you and go in with an open mind and attempt to learn because you might actually find they have something to teach you. And also flip that script. If you're somebody that's older, like we're, we're here to learn from each other. I think the second thing is you got to look past just the generational label. I think as soon as you start putting labels on people, uh, I know people that are in their 60s that are more technically competent than people in their 20s. Right. And so um, get get rid of the label, have a conversation with the person that you're working with or talking to and actually give them an opportunity to prove themselves. And if they prove you wrong, if, if they prove to you that they are entitled and are looking for the easy way out, well, then you've got a problem. Um, but I think there's more folks out there than not that that actually dispel some of those notions. You know, I really respect that answer. And I really liked what you said around that. It, it goes both ways. Uh, because I'm I'm a guy mid 40s, uh, who I, I I'm trying to stay um, uh, you know on the pulse of technology and and sharp using modern approaches and so forth. But I do acknowledge that. Look, I, I just found out what TikTok was. I don't even know what that is, right? And so <laughs> I appreciate it's not a business application, but just trying to maintain that mindset. So I feel really fortunate that when I teach my sales training classes, oftentimes I get a chance to work with the 21 year old, the 23 year old, the 26 year old like yourself and. And it, it keeps me exposed to that. And, and I, I do think that your generation sometimes gets a, a bad rap, um, just like maybe my generation gets a bad rap, too, at times when it's just each individual. So I thought it was a great answer. And so uh, great, you know, early start to your career. I mean, you still have, you know, the rest of your life ahead of you. But 26 years old, you've done quite a bit. I mean, you've gone across the country twice. You've been down in Florida. You, uh, you are, are you personal question, but are you still with your girlfriend? I'm still with my girlfriend right, so, five, five years as of uh, three months ago. Hey, and listen, let me tell she, you something. She turned me onto the TikTok. She, she's the one who said, hey, you should look at this. Because uh, I, I, I don't, I like, I sometimes don't have time. For well, listen, stuff. she's she a keeper said, because if she, if she moved with you to Buffalo, I'm telling you, man, she's a keeper. Now, listen, I'm from Toronto, so that's a little dig, a little, little fun at Buffalo. But, <laughs> but if she moved to Buffalo Fair with enough. you, man, that's a great, uh, she's a keeper there. So congrats on what you've been able to create so far. You know, Nick, I always like to close with, any guest that comes on, uh, if anybody came to you and was looking for one piece of advice, whether they're just graduating college or they are into their career already or any, at this point, uh, what would be one piece of advice you might have for somebody listening? Sure. I'll give you the same piece of advice that my wrestling coach gave me on the first wrestling practice I went to of my entire life, and it shaped everything that I, I do. Uh, and that quote is, discipline is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And that applies to your work. It applies to your health and physical fitness. It applies to your personal relationships. And so when you've got a tough decision in front of you, your mind is going to want you to take the easier path. And if you can flip that 
and teach yourself to move towards the tough, you are going to find so much more success. Um, everybody wants to have a special life. They want to stand out from the crowd in the way that their life gets expressed. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to do it with their actions. And where your actions like your actions take you to where you're going to be. And so stop trying to be normal and stop trying to fit in with the crowd and start doing hard things. And I think the more hard things you do, the more things you don't want to do that you don't want to do right now that you do, the greater life, like the, 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 the more choice you're going to have in the type of life you want to live. That's great advice. Fantastic. And listen, 26 years old, you've done quite a bit this far. I think back to when I was 26. I don't want to sound like a dad here talking to you at all, but I'm like, my gosh, if I had any, even half of what you've been able to create so far at 26, uh, fantastic. So keep at it. Congrats on what you've done so far. Thank you. Absolutely. Listen, I appreciate you being here. I think we'll wrap this one up right now, okay? Perfect. Sounds good. Good. Nick, I've enjoyed you sharing your story. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember that your intention matters. Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here and we'll see you next week. Be safe, everybody.